Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by co-host Aaron Keller. And today we have a familiar voice to the podcast, Jess Brooks, who is now a wildlife diversity staff specialist. Jess, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Of course. It's been a couple years. So if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll recognize Jess's voice, but it might sound clearer now because usually you had been on the phone with us because you were in, you were actually in conservation education, the division Aaron and I are in, and you were located in Vegas. So you would join us over the phone. How does it feel to be here in person? It feels nice. <laughs> I definitely miss working with the Con Ed folks. They're a bunch of wonderful people, but it's definitely different being in person with everybody and being in Reno and uh, now I get to work with everyone a little bit more closer which is also awesome. Yeah so you made the move from Con Ed you were in our southern region um, and within the last couple years moved to Reno to be in a headquarters position in a whole nother uh, division wildlife diversity. So could you explain your job before where you've been in the department and then how you moved into your current role? Sure. So I was in the southern region in Las Vegas. I worked as the wildlife education coordinator down there and I was in that role for seven ish years or so. And it was super fun. I did a lot of really cool stuff. Some of the things that we did with the general public were leading bat walks and leading bird walks and just getting people outside. It was wonderful and very fun. And, uh, you know, going into schools and chatting with literally everyone around about how awesome our wildlife is. And in that role, um, I did a lot of really cool stuff. I worked with a lot of the biologists just to share what they study and their knowledge to the public. So now I moved to Reno. I work out of the headquarters office in our wildlife diversity division. So Wildlife diversity is the division that studies and surveys all of the non-game terrestrial animals like little songbirds and bats and um, small mammals and reptiles and really all the things. All the things. Almost all and the things. What's cool, so when you had come on the podcast before, you were a wildlife educator. So we'd talk to you about various programs you were running. We may have done a Bat Week podcast with I you think, before. I think we did because I remember talking about like school season ramping up and then how cool bats were. And yes. we were doing some of our end of season bat walks. Yeah. So what I like is that you used to be the person educating the general public on all that stuff. And now you're in the division who actually manages those critters. I <laughs> I do help. I have a partner in crime who manages some of the others as well. John Young. He's awesome. But then I also can't take the credit for being out in the field because our biologists are so talented and so smart. So I get to sit behind the computer and just make sure everything is running smoothly. You still play a big role in it. You just don't have the, um, what do we call it? The like fancy, um, 
exciting. <laughs> Your job is exciting, but the exciting side of the job, the, you know, the jobs that are easy to highlight, yours might not look as glamorous, but you still play a really important role. Well, thanks. <laughs> I like to think I do. I'm also just surrounded by really incredible people. So I think every, it's just glamorous in a different way. Yeah, it is. So, so every division has wildlife, sorry, every division has staff specialists. My role is a wildlife staff specialist. So um, the staff specialists sit behind, well, for the most part, sit behind a computer and make sure that um, all the surveys are coordinated correctly, that all data is, you know, that all data is coming in and being sent out accordingly to all of our partners and kept in house correctly and they take care of grants, uh, applications, and then like reporting all of the stuff to make sure that grants keep coming in so that all of our folks are paid to do what they do. And we also coordinate meetings and just all, I feel like I wear so many hats, it's hard to explain exactly what we do. I've also only been in my role for about 10 months, so I'm still very much learning. Yeah, no, every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh, that's so overwhelming. It <laughs> um, is. You just, it is. you're doing so much. <laughs> it is. Um, I, like I said, though, I'm surrounded by amazing, very supportive, very smart, passionate people in every division. So I feel like every time I have a question or need help on something, everyone's just like, yes, let me make sure that you are successful. That's good. That's always good to be surrounded by people like that. Um, and then before we started recording, I told you what I like is that it's funny because now you're going to talk. We wanted to talk to you today about bats. So that's why we brought you in here. But we've had you on before to talk about bats because every role you've had or the two roles you've had at the agency have had to do with bats. Do you love bats? Would you consider yourself a bat person? I love bats. I was always interested in bats. I, I think I've always been interested in just the flying critters, and I have been lucky enough in my current new role to land some of the bird and bat projects, which is awesome. Um, and then I get to just talk bats and also birds, but just nerd out with all of our awesome biologists about how cool they are and what projects we've got working on, of which we have a ton all of the time. Um, in fact, before we were preparing for this, I reached out to some of our biologists and most of them are in the field this week. <laughs> yes, we were going to get some bio. We had full confidence you could cover this topic very well since you have before, but you were like, why not? Why don't I just try to get some of our bat biologists in? But that's an example. They're out in the field. Jess is here. So she's our victim. <laughs> But, well, we're glad to have you. Um, and so you did some research beforehand or more like phone conversations with some biologists to see what all they had going on. Do you want to share? Sure. Um, what I really, so first, before I jump into like species specific stuff, I will share that. Again, we have a ton of bat projects and other projects just going on all the time. And when I reached out to some of our folks, they said, well, no, like this, it, like I'm on, I'm in, I'm currently in the field. I can't come in and do a recording, which is totally fine. But all of their survey projects sound very interesting. And we're getting a lot of really cool findings, um, of which I have like a ton of notes on. But um, we have 
two types of surveying happening right now in the for the most part we have capturing surveys happening at nighttime which is where we put up nets and recorders and and there's a few different kinds of nets to where we capture bats as they're flying around foraging um, and when they get captured they don't get hurt we check on the nets very frequently we have very talented people to go in and like detangle them from the little net so they don't hurt themselves and then during the day all of those recordings that are being picked up on those microphones are being um, looked at all that data is being run through to make sure what we're finding is actually that species which is really cool so we're like double checking our work kind of it's also really neat to have people in the field that can hear some of these bat calls and um some of the bats that get picked up on the microphone obviously don't get captured. So we're getting all different types of, types of species coming in. That's really cool. And you know what? Something else I just thought of that I wanted to mention is a lot of people, when they think of endow, they think of the big game animals, uh, fish species. But we have this whole division that you're in dedicated to all these different little species. And from what you just said, it shows that work is happening year-round all the time so it's good to hear that there are people looking out for species like bats that people don't always think of yeah i will also say that a lot of our biologists focus on all of the terrestrial non-game species so they have to be experts in lots of different species groups you know they have to be bat specialists they have to be reptile specialists they have to be small mammal specialists some of our biologists do like bird surveys one month and then they have to immediately jump to a bat survey and then they have to immediately jump to a small mammal survey. So they, they're kind of all over the map. What's nice about diversity for podcasting purposes is that we could go to one person in that division if we want to do a podcast on bats or reptiles or we could keep going to the same person and say, hey, help us out. Jess, yeah. you're going to be that person now. <laughs> so I'm just taking a look at our time. I think we might as well get into some of the projects you guys have going on um the you said they're species specific projects well so some of the projects that we've got going on for bats aren't necessarily species specific it's more like location specific got it so some of our folks will go out into the field and they'll basically camp so they'll put out the nets that i was talking about to capture bats and they'll put them out in like right above the water or right near water where all the bugs hang out. And they really have to be good at reading the landscape and understanding what a bat needs when they forage. And that's where they'll put those nets. And there's lots of different kinds of nets. They're all very uh, different. <laughs> and, and some of them are pretty darn complicated, but some of them are very straightforward. And then they'll leave, dusk will happen, bats will start to come out, and then they'll capture those bats. And like I said, they also check the nets pretty frequently so the bats aren't just hanging out in the net. Yeah, and uh, they'll also put out microphones. So during the nighttime, they're checking those nets. And when we do catch a bat, we detangle them from the net, we weigh them. We will mark them safely so it doesn't hurt the bat. We'll check to see if it's uh, male or female. Um, check to see if it has any like rips or tears. Make sure it's healthy. And then like, you know, let it go. And then during the daytime, all of those recordings that are being, all of those sounds that are being recorded um, on the microphones 
during the day, they'll go through all those data and make sure that they can either separate those calls out and be like, that's an Allen's Biggard bat, or that's a spotted bat, or that's a canyon bat, or, um, you know, check to make sure some of those species are even found in that region. What's difficult sometimes is some of those recordings, they, they overlap, you know, there's one recorder out, you know, there's one microphone out, and all of these different species are being recorded at the same time because there's tons of bats out at the same time. So being able to say, that's that bat, that is this recording, that is this call, is sometimes super difficult. Um, but our people are very talented and they, they know what they're doing. They have a ton of experience and we also partner with a ton of really cool people from other agencies that can help determine some of those calls. Um, we did find or we were able to capture an Allen's big eared bat, which is very, very cool. They're mostly found in Arizona and they do come into Southern Nevada sometimes. Um, but to our knowledge, we haven't really captured since the 90s and it's rarely seen. So some of our biologists right now are in the field, like right now, um, both doing those physical captures and those acoustics or acoustics at some of our survey sites. Um, and when they survey, like when they put a, a mat over a microphone, is it like, um, are they capturing a bunch of different types of bats or is it typically like one type of bat will be around the area? Oh, I mean, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, we did do a bat blitz just a few months ago in the heat of the summer up by Wild Horse. And I've been on a few bat blitzes before, but this one was really unique in that it is following a heavy precipitatory winter. So there's like a ton of water everywhere. So the sites that we picked would normally be heavy activity for bats. But because there's so much water out there, bats are able to spread out and not rely on that one watering hole that we picked. So we didn't capture that many bats. But on the nights that we did, we were able to capture like lots of different species. Good news. Good thing. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back here with Jess. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. It is Bat Week, and we are joined by Wildlife Diversity Staff Specialist Jess Brooks. Just before the break, you were telling us all about the different bat projects we have going on and some of the species we have in Nevada. So do you just want to take it right from where you left off? Sure. So right before we, the break, I was chatting about um, the Allen's Biggard bat that we have picked up. Um, another cool species that we've picked up, and this too is a bat species that we can hear their echolocation call with the human ear, which is awesome. It's the spotted bat. Um, 
other than being incredibly adorable and really unique in coloration, <laughs> it's uh, it's very widespread throughout the West, but it's very solitary and found in low density, so it's pretty hard to detect. Um, they also will squeeze themselves into little tiny rock crevices. So even if we are looking for these bats, they're incredibly difficult to find because they squeeze themselves into these little tiny cliff crevices and small cracks. Um, but some of our biologists have captured these bats in the past. And even this last summer, our Ely diversity biologist encountered a spotted bat, which was very, oh, wow. very cool. Um, and then some of our spring emergence surveys that we've been doing, which is just white nose syndrome surveys. And for those of you who don't know, white nose syndrome is a disease that does affect bats in a negative way. So we're just studying its impact and whether or not white nose syndrome is found in certain parts of Nevada. Um, a few hoary bats were, were captured, which was also very cool and not expected. So that was really, that was really neat. Very cool. Just uh, finding all sorts of species. Yeah, we found a few canyon <clears throat> bats too, but that's a relatively common species. And if anyone's been on um, a, a bat walk that's put on by our conservation education division, most or some of the bats that we find are canyon bats, and they're pretty little. Got it. It's well, it's all relative, right? So some of our little bats, like the canyon bat, are maybe about six inches when their wings are all the way out, like a six inch wingspan. But then some of our larger bats, like um, a bonneted bat or a mastiff bat, their wingspan is around, oh my gosh, off the top of my head, probably a foot and a half to two feet. We have those in Nevada? We do, we sure do. And then the largest bat in the whole world is the golden crowned flying fox. But oh we gosh, don't have them here. Scary. We don't have them here, but their faces are so adorable. They're mega bats. They're huge. Their wingspan is six feet. Oh my gosh, that's why they creep me out. <laughs> but, but the bats that we have here in Nevada are micro bats. They eat only insects. Um, and they're they're smaller they are so cute though I've gone yeah. out to the bat surveys and for the most part like when you say they're six inches that's with their wings out and that's as big as they get and yeah they're the cutest little things they yeah. we do wow. what one is that <clears throat> hmm. yeah that is but for the most part when you're out at those surveys they're the little guys yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions about bats. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna like fly into your hair and get stuck. Um, although I'm sure it's happened like once or twice in the past. It's not their goal. They don't. They don't, they don't want anything caught. to do with you either, right? No, they don't. And what's what's really fun is when you do go out in the evening and you do start to see bats. Sometimes you can hear them echolocating which is awesome and when you're walking around as a human you're bringing in like insects and mosquitoes and gnats oh, yeah. so like the mosquitoes will hover around you and then bats will 
it might seem like they're dive bombing you, but they're really just trying to Going eat. Going for the bugs. Yeah. So we are in a way indirectly feeding the bats. And then that's another fact I love about bats is all those bugs that they eat. Oh, yeah. We, well, they eat mosquitoes, which I mean, mosquitoes eat us which is, you know, we need bats for survival and just general quality of life. But they also eat all the bugs that eat our crops. So without bats, our crops would suffer. We would suffer. Bats are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mosquitoes eat us. Bats don't. Bats bats aren't vampires. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we don't have vampire bats um, in the West. And uh, they're pretty small anyway, but yeah, we don't have them in the West. And here. I think from what I've read through the years here at end out those bats are it's more they're not going after people to suck their blood it's more mm-hmm. like other animals <laughs> livestock, yeah, livestock. Yeah. <laughs> which isn't fun either but still they're not like these vampires <laughs> yeah they don't actually suck <clears throat> blood either yeah. they, oh really <laughs> yeah they, the livestock livestock typically won't even feel what's going oh, on oh are they after the bugs on the livestock no they'll land on the livestock and then they'll like make a little tiny tiny cut and then like lap up a little bit of blood and then leave oh they even have like a coagulant in their saliva to help heal that little tiny oh my gosh, cut what that they sweet make sweet little guys i know <laughs> so thoughtful <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But less itchy. Yeah, less itchy. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's good. And we don't have to worry about them over here anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, with bats, <clears throat> mostly, mostly like um, surveying populations of fish, or is there like a management side to bat biology? Sure. There's, I would say that above just the surveying, which the goal of surveying is to see what lives out there and how bats are doing. But from a management perspective, it's also to see how healthy the bats are, to see what are where white nose syndrome could potentially exist, which is a negative thing that bats have to experience. And also like we're watching how water moves throughout the area. And especially since after this last winter, we had so much water. Just seeing how bat populations are reacting to that is super interesting. And we've done a lot of work management-wise in the habitat to keep the habitat healthy, to keep bats healthy, to keep water moving throughout the landscape. I feel like there's so many levels of management to nail down just one, just for bats or just in one area of Nevada would be, wouldn't be fair. Yeah, and um, we also work a lot with other divisions, too. So we work super closely with Habitat. We work super closely with fisheries and game and also Con Ed and, like, literally everybody just because it's an entire ecosystem we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was I just going to say about that? Oh, <laughs> I'm blanking. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, know, it's a lot. a lot going on. No, uh. Oh, oh, something very important I wanted to make sure we talked about. You mentioned white nose syndrome. Oh, yeah. Um, Just real quick, what is that? And there's a big campaign you guys have going on to yes. so, prevent it. Yes. So white nose syndrome is a disease that does affect bats in a negative way. Um, it's very contagious. It's basically um, a cold, wet, loving fungus that can just irritate bats like crazy. And it has been found in other states. 
Um, and we basically just don't want to have it. Mm-hmm. We, we just don't want it here. So part of the surveying that we do is not only to see what bats are out there, how the population is doing, but also to see if bats have this white nose syndrome. And there are a lot of different ways that humans can help bats. One of the main things is um, just being aware of our stay out, stay alive campaign, which is stay out, <laughs> stay out of abandoned mines, stay out of like big holes in the ground, even if it's abandoned. Um, and if you are going to take part in, you know, spelunking, before you make it to another area, you have to clean all your equipment, all your materials, your clothes, your shoes, because that's how it can be passed. That fungus can travel on the bottoms of your feet um, or your boots or your equipment or your camera gear or, what, or whatever. You might not even see it. It sounds simple enough to me to stay out of a cave or abandoned mine. Yeah. <laughs> but there are people who... What is spelunking? Spelunking is exploring underground. Yeah, like um, abandoned mines or abandoned caves. And especially in the West, we have so many. Yeah, um, throughout Nevada. Yes. Yeah. So open land. Yeah. So you're not only helping yourselves by staying safe, but you're also helping our bats. That's good information. And good to hear that. It sounds like it's a nationwide effort or is it a westwide effort it it should be an everywhere effort good yeah <laughs> well i mean the campaign oh okay well yeah good good information um and then before we wrap up we always like to get whenever we're talking about bats whoever's here i think you've done it in the past we want to get your favorite bat facts um that's that's a great question. I have a ton of bat facts that I really, really enjoy, and I've shared a few of them, but I think some of my favorite bat facts are like, we, as humans, utilize bats way more than we realize, like their guano, for example, or their droppings. We used to put it in some of our makeup. We don't anymore, so it's totally fine, but we, use, we also put it in our fertilizers to help grow our crops, so it's almost like a full circle, so we use guano and our fertilizer to grow our crops and then bats will come make sure that those crops aren't eaten by insects so we can continue to eat. So it's like oh. a symbiotic relationship. I like that a lot. In doesn't it tequila? Oh yeah, and there yeah, there are <laughs> there are some bats that are pollinators too. And so if you like mangoes, tequila which comes from the agave, um, almonds, there are tons of others you have to thank bats because they are the main pollinators for those fruit. Good to know. And that takes us right to the end. Jess, anything else you want to say before we wrap up about bats? Um, I would just like to say, you know, especially since the weather has been pretty nice and hopefully it will be nice going into the rest of the year, go out and see if you can see some of these bats and some of them you can even hear, which is awesome, like while they while they echolocate. And a quick shout out to all of our diversity biologists in the field right now as we're recording. Yeah, working hard and we appreciate it keeping our bats and all those other animals. Like you said, it's really about healthy ecosystems too, keeping everything healthy. Well, Jess, thanks for being here and recording with us. It was good to have you back and in person. Yeah, thank you. Of course. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild.
Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.